Welcome to episode 75 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Now this week's episode is a little bit different because I am actually not the host. I'm turning over hosting duties to my friend and my mentor, Jordan Syatt. Now, when you listen to the podcast each week, you hear snippets, bits and pieces of my story, but mostly I'm focused on my guest, their story, the things that they have learned. This week, you're going to hear my story. You're going to hear a lot of it. Uh, Jordan talks and asks me questions about when I was obese. How did I become obese? Was I always obese? Um, How did I get out of that position? What was the trigger for me? lots about the dumb, dumb things I tried to do to lose weight. Some of them embarrassing, but worthy of sharing. I think you might see a little bit of yourself in some of my own experiences. Let's go. Hello. There she is. How are you? Hi, good. How are you doing? I'm well. Are we recording? We are recording. All right. So we're just jumping right into it, huh? Absolutely. I'm sitting in my closet. <laughs> You're in your closet? Why? In my closet. Because we have a painter here. He's been painting a bunch of rooms, including my office. Okay. And so I tried to record a podcast in my basement the other day, and my family has no sense of boundaries, and people were like wandering in and out, and it does not make for great audio. And so I've locked myself in my bedroom in my closet. No one's coming here. Wait, what are those? Oh, those are boots. Those are Uggs on the those right. Are, those are my sparkly Uggs. Got it. I thought that for, you know, like those like clear containers that they could hold snacks or whatever. It yes. looked like there was like a, a clear container of like pecans. I was like, you got <laughs> pecans in your closet? Man, it's better than my closet. That's the secret to my success. I keep pecans in my closet. I've done a bunch of podcasts in, in Mike Vacanti's closet. I've seen them. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe closets are the best place to do them. Um, Good audio, apparently. Do you want to explain to your audience what exactly we're doing right now? Absolutely. So I was, I love podcasts. I listened to a lot of them and I was listening to a business podcast and this woman had her mentor come on and interview her on her own podcast. And I thought it was super fun. And so I reached out to Jordan, who has been my coach and mentor for I think almost five years now to see if he would be game. And of course he was. And so here we are. So Jordan is going to interview me on my podcast. All right. So just for whatever it's worth, I have no idea where this is going to go. I have a couple <laughs> ideas up my sleeve, but how about this? How about just to start, how about Kim? You just tell me about yourself, who you are. Tell me about where you started, how you got to where you are today. I just want to know more about you, Kim. Okay. So more about me. Um, so I'm 49. I'm going to be 50 in less than a month. Super, super soon. Um, Wait, when's your birthday? October 7th. October 7th, let's go. 7th, 50 years old. Do you have plans for your birthday? Um, Well, you know what? I was supposed to be in Alaska right now celebrating my birthday. I was supposed to go on this big trip to Alaska. I was going to go on a cruise with all my best friends and we were, I've, it's been on my bucket list forever. And so that I was supposed to uh, have left on Thursday and we were going to tour Seattle cause I, I've never been to Seattle and that's where I should be right now. And then we were going to celebrate my birthday. Two of us are turning 50. So we were going to like, you know, be up on a glacier right before my birthday. And that was the plan. And so I've heard those Alaska cruises are amazing. I know someday I've, it's, I've always, always wanted to go there. But instead, my family and I have rented this cute little cabin in northern Pennsylvania, and we're going to go hiking for a couple days. That'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I had to make the best of it. So um, I, since I was like 19, have been trying to lose weight. 
and it was ridiculous. Like, so I was super into fashion as a kid. Like that was my thing. Like I always wanted to like be a fashion designer or one of these kinds of things. So was, I would read these magazines and I would look at these women and I was like, I just, I don't look like them. I was not overweight as a kid. I was not, but I just didn't look like, it was very slim at the time was what was in. And I was like, I don't look like that. And so I always had this thing in my mind that I was gonna lose five pounds. Like, I just need to lose a little weight. I need to lose a little weight, always, since as long as I can remember. And what ended up happening is it was elusive. I didn't know what I was doing. And I ate like a complete moron in my 20s as I was trying to lose weight. And then I eventually, when I started having babies, gained 50 pounds with each of my three kids, never fully losing all of that weight. And so, so is, you gained a 50 total pounds with each kid, each kid, every uh, kid, I gained 50 pounds. Okay. I fully believed the advice you're eating for two. And like, I milked that for everything it's worth and 50 pounds lost some next kid, 50 pounds, lost some 50 pounds, a third. So by the end of being pregnant and then the stress of having toddlers, I was obese and very unhappy. And then spent a lot of time chasing every Every nook and cranny of like what could be the secret to weight loss, all the dumb stuff, I did it um, and just kept getting heavier and heavier and yo-yoing back and forth. And it wasn't until I was in my early 40s that I really wrapped my brain around the idea that it was about how much food I was eating. It was about the calories. How did you figure that out? Um, so I had a friend. Actually, I didn't even know him. I couldn't say at the time it was my friend. It was my... <laughs> So where I go to church, my husband was leading our congregation at the time. We have a lay congregation and my husband was the head of the congregation. So he knew everybody's problems and what people needed. And he came home one day and he's like, there's this family. You don't even know them. Their kid really needs somewhere else to live. That's not their house. He's 19. He's like, are you okay if he moves in with us? And I was like, I guess like, if you think he's safe and this is a good spot for him, let's do it. So he moved in with us. A random 19 year old kid moved in to your house? To your house? Yes. And, and here's the thing, my kids were all in school and my husband was at work. And so it was my job to keep this kid busy and out of trouble because that was the problem. Like he didn't get along with his parents. He was in a lot of trouble. And so- Oh, that you know, was so good. Just home alone with someone. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my one question to my husband. I'm like, I trust you. If you think this is safe, bring him here. Like bring him here. And he's like, he's safe. And so I got to know him and I was like, what am I going to do with this kid? Like, what are we doing together? And so what I found out is he liked bodybuilding. And I was like, we're going to the gym. That's what we're doing. And so we got him a gym membership and I was like, here we go. for his gym membership? I got him a scholarship to the gym. Like we called, like, so we got him a discount and we got him, we got him into the gym that I would go to. And so we went together to the gym a few days after he moved in and our third day there together he came up to me when, when we were, cause we would go and then he would do his thing. I would do mine. He came up to me and he's like, what are you trying to do anyway? And it, he, the way he said it, I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, I'm really trying hard to not be fat. Thank you. And he says to me, you're doing it all the wrong way. You're doing it all the wrong way. And I, you know, he's 19 and I'm like, but right, I felt kid. so hopeless that I was like, you seem to understand something. Like you look like, you know what you're doing. And he's was like, he in shape? like, did he look yeah, good? Oh, yeah, okay. He was in shape. He was in shape. And so he said, why don't you start lifting with me? He's like, come on, you can like do it with me. And I'm like, all right. So the next day we came back to the gym and I went into the area that always scared me. We called it the man cave, right? And that's where all the big weights were. And um, I started lifting with him. He taught me all about lifting, how to lift, what to were do. Were you worried about lifting weights? I was so nervous. I was so nervous, really just about looking stupid, like not knowing what I was doing. And so yeah. I just 
I would just look at him and he wasn't a great teacher in that he was like super kind and patient. He was just like, he would look at me sometimes and be like, go get a heavier weight. And I'm like, this one's fine. And he's like, go get a heavier weight. And then I would get it. And I was like, oh, I can totally lift that. So he wasn't like nice necessarily, but we got along really well. And I would just look at him and he's like, do this. You're doing it wrong. And so, <laughs> so it was not an easy entry, but it was good because he literally step by step just told me what to do. Do yeah. you remember the first workout you, he had you do? Uh, yes, I do. What, what, let's go, um, what was the first workout? It was upper body because we always did upper body because he was <laughs> a guy and we always worked chest and biceps. I swear I've never, and a woman has never been introduced to lifting probably like this. Like we did chest and biceps like three days a week. And every so often I'd be like, can we do something with the lower part of our body? And he's like, fine, we'll do legs. He hated squatting. Like he didn't teach me how to like back squat and deadlift. Like I learned that after he left. Okay. But So we did it. We were always um, dumbbell chest press chest flies, bicep curls, like you, a million varieties of- Do you remember bicep. what weight you used for the dumbbell chest presses that first time? I have no idea, but it was light. Like I picked up light, I picked up lightweight. Okay. It was always the little dumbbells because I just, that's what I felt comfortable with. You know, I thought that, I thought 15 pounds was heavy. How, how sore were you after the first workout or the first couple workouts? That I don't remember. Okay. Like, I right. will tell you this, Jordan. I, I fell in love with it like that. We're like talking week one. I was like, because he kept telling me to go get a heavier weight and I kept doing it. And I'm like, I think maybe I'm strong. Like, I love that. And we all are, but we just don't realize it, right? If we're not pushed to do that. And yep. so like, it was like instant. I fell in love with it. And I wasn't as much thinking about losing weight anymore as like, let's go. We lifted five days a week. I'm like, are we going? Let's go. Let's go. I was excited about it. What time of day would you guys go to the gym? Morning. Okay, early morning. And yeah. did he do anything with your nutrition or was it just the workouts? So he did, but again, like I said, he wasn't super nice because he lived with us and like he was there as I was cooking and, and my big like nutrition plan was to try and eat as little as possible, right? And so I would try not to eat a lot, but I was hungry and I had terrible nutrition habits. I didn't eat vegetables. And so- Really? I didn't. I did not you start eating vegetables. Zero. I hated vegetables my whole I trained myself to like vegetables when I was in my early 40s. Wow. I you like one I hated them. The only vegetable I like, and it's kind of random, I liked creamed spinach. It's not super healthy for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not a great, it's just not great. And I would eat corn on the cob if it was really good corn on the cob, but that was it. Like I didn't eat veg. I would pretend like I'd put salad on my plate and then eat the croutons out. Um, that was my, that was my vegetable. So he said to me very soon after we started, he's like, I see you. I see what you're doing. And he's like, that's what he said. I see you. Yeah. He's like, you don't eat anything all day long. He's like, you eat these little tiny portions. He's like, you put this little bit of food on your plate. He's like, and you're in the damn pantry every night. He's like, you're in there snacking all day long. He's <laughs> wow, like, he's really calling you on it. Yeah. And he's like, get out of the pantry and start eating real food. And I'm like, I like him. I like him yeah. a lot. Uh, and I was like, well, like what? Like, what should I be eating? He's like, you need to eat meat and you need to eat vegetables. And so I tried to tell him, like, I don't like vegetables. He's like, I don't care. He's like, you need to, you need to eat them. And I was like, you're an idiot, but fine. And so I, and I liked meat. And so I'm like, fine, I'll like stop making so much pasta. Like I'm Italian. Like I was always cooking noodles of some kind. Yep. And not that you can't eat that, but I like my, my diet was very heavily that. Yeah. And then like, also like in the pantry, what were you? Pretzels. What you in the pantry? Pretzels? Pretzels, Pop-Tarts, granola bars. Like that's that. <laughs> That was my dad. And see, and for me, the pretzels was the diet food because like, you know, it's not the Pop-Tarts and it's not the granola bars. And even right. the granola bars kind of felt healthy-ish to me. Yeah. So, the packaging it, makes it seem healthy. 
Yes, exactly. And I fell into all of that, you know, and I grew up in the low fat craze, right? And so pretzels were low fat. And so therefore I could eat a ton of them. So at night, it felt like that was my permission to do that. That's the worst is when you find out how many pretzels, like how many calories are in pretzels. It's like, you can't have that many before it really adds up. can't have that many. Yeah. And they don't fill you up and they're completely like, you can't eat just one kind of thing, right? Of course. Yeah. You just want to keep going and want to keep going. So- yeah. So that's what I did with my nutrition. I was like, fine, I'm going to do this. And so I stopped, I started looking at meat as more the main part of my dish and the pasta as the side dish, which was total, which I should have anyway, but that was news to me, right? Like to me, it was like the pasta with a little bit of meat. Um, and I started like there was more structure to your meals. Like yes. that's like, there was actual thought behind it is really yes. what happened. Yeah, absolutely. And he also, he was very much of like that bodybuilding building mentality of cheat days. He's like, we don't eat junk food during the week, which you know, that's not <laughs> how I live now. That's not how I coach. But at the time I'm like, okay, we don't eat junk food during the week. Yeah. He's like, we do, at all. He's like zero. He's like weekends. We do that. And so it would become the weekend. I'm like, so I can eat whatever junk food I want now. Now, again, he's a 19 year old boy. And so he right. had the ability to eat a lot more than I did, but I really did start having like just treats on the weekend. So I would have like he could go all day and eat crap, but I would eat like one thing a day, like during the weekend, Friday night through Sunday, like maybe I'd have a Reese's cup or something. You're like a cheat meal-ish or cheat Exactly. Snack. Got exactly. it. Okay. All right. So, so was there calorie counting at all there or not no? then? Not then. That came for me like a year later. So he was with me for three months. And in those three months, I completely transformed. Like it was crazy. What, what happened? happened? Like you lost weight? Like I lost happened? weight. I built muscle. I look like a, like physically, I looked like a different person. Like I went from like a size 14, like heading, pushing a 16 to a size two. Holy, in like, three months? In three months. Like it and was crazy. Were you hungry? Were you like, did you feel obsessed with food? Like what was going on? I think I had just hit my breaking point. Like I was so tired of trying to lose weight mm-hmm. and this felt like my moment like this is like somebody's here telling me what to do every day of my life which how that's weird it doesn't happen right people are always like you need to move in with me i'm like it kind of actually works so right, right? yeah it kind of actually works having somebody there with you all the time um and so yeah i looked totally different and like i said during that time i completely fell in love with the gym and so for me my focus really was on when do I get to go again? How much am I lifting? And I really started thinking about like my body and what I needed to do to get to the gym and lift something heavier. Okay. So, yeah. Right. So I looked different. I, it's not like I built so much muscle that like, wow, I had muscle, but I had more muscle than I'd ever had in my life. And so I was finally starting to get that like, you know, toned look everyone. I'd been chasing it my whole life back when I was thin as a teenager and what I wanted to look like. I was like, this is it. Like, this is how I'm going to get there. And yeah. like, I can't believe it. It's taken me all these years. And it wasn't that secretive. Like I really thought it was going to be like some kind of pill or some kind of secret formula. Right. And it was lift some weights. Like who knew? So well, what, what happened then? So he was with you for three months. Then how did you figure out about calories? So he moved away then he moved to California and did I was like, with him? Yeah, you know, we haven't talked in a while, but yeah, he's come back to visit me. We had a good Got lift it. together, like a couple of years after, like once I became a coach and like I was powerlifting, he came back and he was like, what in the world? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So he was super proud, you know, that, that I had done all of this. So yeah, we're, we're, we're still in contact. Okay. Um, so he left and I was like, I love this. So like now I need to figure out what to do. And like, he had written me a program, but I'm like, I can't just do this permanently. So after he was gone like a month, I'm like, I need to figure something out and I want to, I, I really fell into following the bodybuilding crowd. These are the people, like I was following Nicole Wilkins and Aaron Stern. Like these are the people I'm following. They're bodybuilders. So I'm like, 
I need to eat like a bodybuilder. And so I started following bodybuilding type plans. Um, I, I downloaded Lose It, that app, and started tracking my calories. And I was doing full-blown macro counting at the time. Like I was counting okay. my macros, um, which was really good for me. It was a great education because like I didn't understand that kind of stuff yet. And so that's when I started counting calories. And that's when I really like started understanding programming and getting excited about it. Did you, did you get a food scale? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Like, do you remember the first couple foods that you weighed? And like, do you remember like, no? Not necessarily weighing them, but I do remember experiences like when I started figuring out how many calories were in things. Like the day I realized how many calories were in peanut butter, I was like, that's oh not God. right. Yeah. That can't be right, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so absolutely. And I remember like getting really upset when I realized like cereal is my favorite thing ever. And I got really upset when I realized how many calories is in cereal, like the amount of cereal I went to eat. Right? Which, which cereal is your favorite? Lucky Charms. So, so when you saw how many calories were in like your portion size of Lucky yes. Charms, you were upset. Because like it. any cereal lover, my portion size is not their portion size. Correct. Like, it's absurd. They're ser like if I just ate their serving, that's no problem. That's easy to fit into your day. But Correct. the amount of cereal I went to eat, like you can't really fit that in. It, it's so funny because when you look at their, their calories on the label, it says like, I don't know, 120, 130 calories. It's like, oh, this is amazing. But then right? you measure out the portion, you're like, this is literally like one eighth of the bowl. It's like, just enough to make me angry. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, okay, so then, so you start counting your macros, counting your calories. Were you starting to train like a bodybuilder too? Absolutely. Yep. I had a full, and that's kind of the way we had tended anyway, because that's what he liked. Like that's where he, that's where he tended. But yeah, I started following these female bodybuilders. I did like an online group coaching with Aaron Stern, who was, um, you know, uh, Miss Olympia, a two-time Miss Olympia. And so I followed her training split um, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And I actually got to the point by about once it had been a whole year since I had been lifting, I was lean enough and excited about enough and following this bodybuilding plan. I was like, I think I want to compete in bodybuilding. Like this is what I'm really, yeah. Like this is what I'm going to do. This is like, this is like about three quarters of a year before I reached out to you to coach me. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to, this is what we do. Like, it just felt like this is the next step. And so uh, I was like, I should hire a bodybuilding coach. Like, that's the next step. Like, I feel like I'm lean enough. Like I could be 12 weeks out from a show. So I started investigating that. But the more I did, the more uncomfortable I got because, Why? because I felt like I had worked so hard and we're talking now decades of my life trying to lose weight. And I finally did it. So my dad died suddenly um, of a heart attack a few years before all of this happened. And so I was very conscious of the idea of health. And one of the, it wasn't the, ma the main reason I wanted to lose weight is finally, I was just tired of being fat. Like I didn't, I didn't like the way I looked, but in my mind, there was always this like, and I also don't want to die young. I don't want to die of a heart attack. So health was a big part of it for me. Um, and I, uh, the closer I got to figuring out who I wanted to hire for a bodybuilding coach and reading it and really getting into that world, the more I felt like I feel like I've flipped directions and I've gone from getting healthier and healthier to doing something that is probably going to lead me to an unhealthy spot. How did, you, how, how did that thought come to your mind? Because most people don't think that way. Most people just think, well, I'm bodybuilding and this is healthy. Like, how did that come to mind? Because I be, had become so aware of calories and nutrients, and I'm thinking, it's going to be really a little amount of food. Like, that's mm. going to be such a small amount of food. 
And it, it felt extreme in a way that started making me uncomfortable, Got but it. I was still going to do it. Like I was going to do it. I'm like, oh, it'll be short. I'm going to do it. And I will tell you, it's kind of funny. The thing that really flipped the switch for me is just my own sense of my personal sense of morality and like modesty. I've grown up in this religious community that like, it's very like modest. And like, I feel like I push the envelope in what I wear in my regular day life in this community. <laughs> and I'm like, how am I getting up on a stage and turning around showing my bare butt? Yeah. Right. And like, yeah. I started to get really uncomfortable with that. And that was kind of the final tipping point of like, maybe not, right? That was really the tipping point. That was it. Cause I was like, I was like, maybe. And so I was right there. I was going to do it. And then it was, uh, it was like fate. I stumbled upon this article about women in powerlifting. I'm like, what's powerlifting? Like I only knew bodybuilding. I didn't know anything else existed. I'm like, what's powerlifting? And I was like, oh my gosh, I can keep my pants on. (laughs) (laughs) and not have to because I wanted a goal right like I wanted something to drive me and like the show seemed my pants on and do (laughs) I I don't have to show anybody my bare butt (laughs) and I can so um and that's when I joined this group coaching with JVB who was Mm -hmm. my coach before you oh wow yeah 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 right and so that's when I joined her online powerlifting group and so I was like I haven't spoken to her in years I hope she's good I hope she's doing well are you in contact with her at all you know what I was a few months ago she was doing like an online fundraiser for people during all the rioting because she lives in Minneapolis yep and I reached out to her I'm like hey I want to donate how you doing and so like we chatted them got it okay but otherwise, like, she's not really, like, I don't really see her in the online space putting out content and stuff. Yeah, so me either. I don't, I don't know if she's even doing that anymore. But I was, like, this power. And so it was all women in her group. It was an all-women's online group coaching to learn how to power lift from zero. Like, you don't know how to do anything. You can only lift the bar. And, like, I was, like, oh, this is my jam. Like, this, this is it. And so I spent that whole summer, like, working. And at the end, we did a virtual powerlifting meet. And I was like, I love this. And so I signed up for a powerlifting meet. And during that, in that group, when the group was ending, we were all talking about, like, what are you doing next? Like, what are you going to do next? And this woman, Susan Singer, Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Susan Singer says to me, I'm doing this thing. What the heck? Okay, I feel bad. Power building? Is that what your program was? Power building, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm doing this thing called power building. I'm like, what's that? And so she kind of explained <laughs> to me. She's like, she's like, you know, like you, you look good, you lift heavy. I'm like, well, that's what I want to do. I'm like, <laughs> who's doing that? I'm like, who's this guy? So she sent me like your name and I, I started reading all your stuff. I was just reading it and reading it. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. I'm like, that's my, I, I knew like just like a few days into reading yourself. I'm like, this is my coach. This is him. And that's when I reached out to you. What year was that? Do you remember? Um, it's about five years ago. What is it now? 20, it was like 2015, 2016. I think it was 2016. I think it was 2016. It was before you were big on Instagram, Jordan. Correct. I think by that, it I think was the I fall, 3, followers, I yeah. think you had just started. I think it was the fall after you started working with Gary. Like you had started working with him in the spring. And that, October, that, no, that November is when we talked. That makes sense. Because I started working with Susan right before I started working with Gary when I was yeah. living in Israel. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Got it. Okay. And do you know at this point in time how much weight you had lost from your heaviest? So my heaviest, I was like 187. Okay. And I was in my 120s when we started working together. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. It was a lot of weight. So, so when you and I started working together, you were already obsessed with powerlifting. Like you loved it. Yes. Do you remember like what your goals were when we first started working together? <laughs> You're going to they're going to sound very familiar. So the same now I wanted to have this big of a deadlift as I possibly could. Like that was, that was my goal. 
Yep. And and then as we were working together, I really started falling in love with bench pressing too. And look, I, my bench press is still like my worst lift, but I friggin' love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So now things, it's interesting though. So now we've worked together for a number of years. Now things are starting to change a little bit. Obviously you still want the biggest deadlift ever, but I think it's been cool to watch a progression with you changing, not just powerlifting. Now there's other goals as well. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah. So last spring, and it was really just because of Corona started and I was like, everybody's looking for other things to do. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll model for people something they could do when they don't, they don't need weights in their gym. And I'm like, what could it be? And we talked and I'm like, oh my gosh, how about a pistol squat? And so you started helping me get my first pistol squat, which was super fun. Cause I've always seen people do that. And I was like, I can't do that. Like, why can't I do that? And yeah. every so often I would try. And it's just like anything, like it's like back when I tried to do pull-ups and I thought like, I should be able to do that. And I'm strong. You can't do a pull-up unless you've trained to do a pull-up and same Correct. thing with push-ups, right? And so you always have this idea of like, even if I'm strong and I work out, I should be able to do this thing. Well, you can't unless you actually trained for it. And so I think it took me six weeks to get, like, be able to do solid uh, pistol squats. This is an interesting discussion though, because I know, and I'm sure you do too, so many people, and especially with a chin up or a push up or a pistol squat, so many women who will, they'll just, for, they'll go, to, go up to a chin up bar. They'll be hanging down. They'll try and do one and be like, I will never be able to do this. Like they'll try it. It doesn't move. And then they just give up. Like they just never try it again. But this discussion around training and practicing it is something I don't think is discussed very much. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Like what did your practice yeah. look like? So, you know, and I've, I, I did this with so many things because I felt the same way. Like when I tried to get my first push up, I just really thought that I would eventually be able to do it. And I would just test every so often I'd go in the gym and be like, how's it looking? Like, nope, I can still only do it on my knees. All right. Like I'll just keep lifting weights and eventually I'll be able to do a push up. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know why that seemed a lot. It seemed logical to me. Like I'll do, I'll do bench press and yeah. then eventually I'll be able to do a push up. As I get stronger, I'll eventually be able to do a push up. And like by this time when I started doing pistol squats, like, you know, I can, I can back squat over. 200 pounds like why can I not friggin lift my body up on one leg right I, yep. I couldn't do it and so but the key is like actually dedicated practice on that skill because this stuff is skill-based and so you had me doing um you had me doing slow eccentric pistol squats so basically assisted so I hold on to something and I go down very 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 slow because I could go down I just couldn't lift myself back up yep. right and that's the way it is with so many things we can do a part of the move we just can't do the harder part and so you practice really drive hard that, that eccentric kept, and I did it day after day, day after day. Um, what did we do after that? We did the slow, we oh, we did, we did them with pauses. I would get down to the bottom and I would just stay there in the bottom of that pistol squat. And it's hard. Like this was hard training. It was the hardest thing I would do when I, and we, we always did it first in my training when I was nice and fresh. It's yep. really important when you're working on a skill, you do it when you're nice and fresh, put all your energy into that. Um, and then those were the two big things. And we just kept doing different variations and different rep schemes of those until I could eventually do one. And you have a video on that on YouTube, right? Yeah, I have a whole video with the progression teaching people how to do that. You got to put that in the show notes for people just so they Yeah, can I will. It's one of the things I admire about you and I, I like that you've done is like you start from literally not being able to do something and you document the whole process. And then you show people what the process looks like. So you're like, listen, this didn't happen in a day or a week. Like this happened over the course of this six week thing. And I know right now we're working on something new. Have you spoken about yes. that yet publicly? I have. I've spoken about it in my stories. I show people little, little glimpses of it because I'm, I'm doing a YouTube video on this too. I'm working to do a one-arm push-up. 
And wow, it's humbling. It's going to explode when this happens. Yeah, it's it's really humbling because I can bang out push-ups, right? I it took me a long time to be able to do push-ups, and now I can, and they're fun, and I can do lots of different varieties. But I've always thought it was cool. Like a lot of this stuff, I just see people doing it. And I'm like, it looks cool. Like there's yeah. no other reason I want to do it. It just friggin' looks cool. It's <laughs> so, a cool feat of strength to be able yeah. to do a push-up or or a pistol squat or a chin-up. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's what I'm practicing now. Yesterday was my first time trying this new variation you have me doing, which is I hold at the top of a one-arm push-up. So that's what I did last month. I would just do a hold, which was really hard. Like my Let's whole body is shaking. Let's talk about that first before we go into yeah. the, because oh, I remember you, you texted me after you did that and you were like, yeah. that was way harder than I thought. Yeah. I was just yeah, at, the, at the top of the, the one-arm push-up, one arm is on the ground and I had to stay there for 20 seconds. That was a really long 20 seconds. Yeah. It's a really long one, 20 and seconds. You didn't think you were going to be able to do it at first. I didn't. I'm like, I'm going to fall on my face. Although you did tell me, you're like, you need to put your legs out wide. I thought I was just going to do regular push-up position. Yep. And well, that was. This is part of the skill and this is part of learning. It's like the, the technique changes. Yeah. And like, you can't do a one-arm push-up with your feet in the same position as a regular push-up. Like, yeah. That's ridiculous. But yeah. a lot of people, I know many, many people who, who they're like, oh, I'll never be able to do one arm push up. It's like their whole base of support is completely off. It's like, we got to change it. If you watch people who are the best in the world at one arm push ups, they get this big, wide base of support. Their feet are out wide and they screw themselves down to the ground. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so that was a game. When I did that, I'm like, okay, I think I can work my way up to this. And so the first day I did it, I did it for like 19 seconds. I really thought I was just going to fall on my face. I didn't think I was even going to be able to stay up there when I let my, my arm go. So I got up to 19 seconds the first time and then 20. But it, every time I did it, I had to like psych myself up, like you can do this. And I got really focused to, to be able to do it. So I did that. And then I did, again, the slow eccentric. So I would put my one hand on the ground and hold it as lightly as possible. Mm -hmm. And then try and just use one arm to go all the way, all the way down. And then I sent you a video and you texted me, you're like, you need to go on your fingertips. And I'm like, how am I doing that? I don't think so. <laughs> Isn't it funny when somebody tells you to do something and you're like, I would have never, I don't think I can do that. And I did it. I'm like, oh, I can totally do that. Like I can I do that. I am capable of that. I am strong enough to do that. I yeah. am strong enough to do that. So I was like, I can do this on my fingertips. And after like two times, I was doing it on three fingertips. Like I'd pick up two fingers. And so I haven't gotten past three yet, but I can do it on three fingertips really, really slow. Um, you know, since I send my, I send you videos, I, I watch my own videos and I was like, I'm totally screwing this up at the bottom. I would get to the bottom and I would collapse. And yep. that's like those last two inches when you're doing any kind of eccentric, like that's where the gains are going to be made. And Correct. so I was like, I have to really slow down. And so I would watch my video after each set and I'd be like, okay, that looks good or slower still and really slow at the bottom. That's an interesting component of all like major movements, right? We could look at push-ups, one-arm push-ups. We could look at pistol squats. We could look at regular squats. We could look at chin-ups. We could look at bench press. It's the last two inches before you get to the very bottom that matter the most when you're controlling the weight. This is something that so many people overlook, right? Because they, they let it drop because essentially in their mind, Number one, it's the most difficult place. And yeah. number two is they can build up a little momentum, right? So if you're doing yeah. a, a bench press, you sort of drop the bar really quick and then get it right back up. But the issue is that's always going to be your sticking point because if that's your weakest spot and you never build that one spot, then eventually you'll never be able to lift more weight. Same thing with like chin up. You go all the way to the bottom and you just drop that last one inch, two inches. That's yeah. where you start the chin up from. Yeah. 
literally not training the one part that you're having the most trouble with. Absolutely. And it's like you're cheating yourself, but you'll keep adding weight to the bar, right? With that address yep. because you can. And really, it would serve you so much better to take the weight off and really hammer those last two inches and focus and go super slow. It's humbling. You got to do it, though, and you'll get stronger faster. I, and you, you actually alluded to this earlier. You were saying how you have to psych yourself up before those, those sets. I've noticed when you really control tempo, especially during the hardest part of the movement, mentally, it's a, it's a mental battle to Absolutely. not allow yourself to cheat, where you have to consciously will yourself to keep going through the hardest parts of the range of motion. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, that's like one of the things I love most about training like this, about lifting. Because how many times in life do you need to like consciously will yourself to do something? Like the, the, the amount of personal strength, fortitude to do hard things in my life that I have gained from training like this in the gym is incredible. Like it completely changed me. I love that. Um, so, so now you're starting the new variation. Talk about that. So the new variation, I'm in the top of the, the one-arm push-up, and instead of just holding it, which was really freaking hard last month, I now have to do pulses. So basically, I have to do, you come down a few inches, and you go back up. Come down a few inches, and go back up. I really like it. My left, I knew my left arm was not as strong as my right arm. I did not know how different it was going to be. Like, I'm barely moving with my left arm. Like, I'm got trying. It. I'm trying to move, and I'm like, move. And it's, it's like, won't <laughs> go. And so my right arm feels pretty strong. Like I'm getting down pretty far in that pulse and coming up and I'm doing like eight, eight reps in 20 seconds. That's I'm amazing. Like, yeah. I'm like, that feels pretty good for day one. And the other one, I'm just going to be excited if I can bend my elbow more. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. And for, I mean, we all have that um, one side stronger than the other. Yeah. I'm actually seeing this a lot now in jujitsu where like I have one side that I'm very good at. Like if I'm trying to, to pass to someone's left side, I'm great. But if I try to pass to someone's right side, I'm, my coordination is completely screwed up and it just takes so much longer. Yeah. Is uh, that a question you get a lot? That's a question I get a lot from people like, hey, what if my like right, like my left leg is stronger than my right leg? Constantly. What should like, I do? What should I do? It really freaks people out. Oh, yeah. It, it freaks people out. And they're always like, should I train that side more? And I'm like, yeah. No. <laughs> it's normal. It's normal. It's exactly right. It's, yeah. We all usually have like, one foot that's bigger than the other, one leg that's longer than the other. It's like sometimes we have one eye that's bigger. That's like it's normal. Like this idea of symmetry that a lot of the media perpetuates is not real. Yeah, and there's no reason to focus on it and work on like bringing up your weaker arm or leg. Actually, with with my clients, I don't even like to call it like your weaker side. I like to say you have a strong side and you have a stronger side. <laughs> you're strong on both sides. You know, you're I like that. Stronger. I like that a lot. Um, Okay, so now we're doing the pulses, and uh, what else right now with your training are you excited about? Are you focused on? Like, what do you think about your training overall? That's the big one. Like, here's the thing. It's really great to have a goal that jazzes you up. I have to tell you, I've, ha I've been having some hard times recently with insomnia, and I was so tired yesterday. Like, I hadn't slept the night before, and the last thing I wanted to do was go train. Like, I didn't want to do it. I was so tired, and the thing that really, like, I was like, you're going to get to try that. You're going to get to go. You're going to get to try that push-up thing if you go down there. I'm like, just go down there and try that. Just go down there. <laughs> so I actually sat on my stories talking to people, telling everybody how much I didn't want to be in the gym. And I was thinking like nap or workout, nap or workout. <laughs> and I finally chose, I'm like, I'm going to do the workout because I really want to try this. And of course, like once you get going, yep. you know, like once I got going, I had enough energy and I, and I did the whole workout. Um, so that's really what's got me going right now. Um, no, I always love my deadlifting, getting stronger there, but that's the big one. 
Um, and then coming up here in a few weeks, I'm going to start running. Oh, I forgot about that. That's exciting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm starting the week of my birthday. I thought it'd be fun to start on my birthday, start this little journey towards trying to be a runner. And we'll see. Maybe I'll hate it still. I've always hated running. But, you know. <laughs> So I've changed so many other things in my life. I hated vegetables and now I love them. So I'm like, maybe I'll love running. Maybe I will. Do you have your program yet for that? I do. Yep. So what's your first run look like? What's the distance? So it's super small. It's people are going to be like, that doesn't even barely sound like running. So it's basically walk five minutes, run five minutes, walk five minutes, run five minutes. I think it's three times. And that's the first two weeks, I think. It's I love first. that. It's, it's, yeah. And that's the thing this coach does. She's like, you can learn how to run, but go slower. You hate running because you've always tried to run too fast. Right. And so she yep. talks about like running. So my daughter's going to do it with me and we're going to run super duper slow and just really build up because look, I've run a 5k before. And the goal from this is to get me doing a 5k by December. I could go today and run a 5k, but I would hate every minute of it. And I would feel terrible and never want to do it again. Yep. Right? And so the goal is going to be to actually enjoy it by going slow enough to like have the adaptation, like to actually get good at it. Have you, have you ever seen or like stood at the end of a marathon or half marathon and seen the people once, once it's over, like how like they can barely walk? Yeah. Like you're crippled afterwards. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I always look for the people who are just, they finish it and they're good. They just walk away. Like it's no problem. Yeah. And when you talk to those people versus you talk to the people who are walking away, like they just got out of a war zone, the people who just got out of the war zone, they like, they're like, Oh yeah, I just decided to do this. And I was like, I just want to do it. And they didn't train for it. Right. And a lot of people really underestimate how important it is to train and build up your body's ability to withstand that type of impact over and over again, which is why I really like this five on five off thing for the first few weeks. Cause those first couple of weeks, you'll have a lot of adaptation and you'll build up a lot of resistance. Whereas if you just started running like three to five K immediately, you'd get shin splints. You'd have some small stress yes. fractures, like your hips would hurt. Like it's, exactly. I really like this a lot. Yeah. I'm excited about it. You know, I don't know if I've ever told you this before. Did I ever tell you that I walked a marathon? Like I actually signed up and did a marathon. You walked a whole marathon? Yes. This was part of one. Of, this was one of the crazy weight loss attempts I had. So this oh is back. Oh my God. I think I was 40 that year, maybe 41. This is like right before I lost all this weight. I called my friend. This is what I always do. I would look for some, I read some article about losing weight by walking fast. Like not, and they're like, and this guy, he's like, you should walk a marathon. And he had a book. And so I bought the book and I what called was the my, book called? Walk I, a marathon? Something like that. Yeah. And it's a training plan is literally how to get you to walk a marathon. And so I'm like, this is a great idea. So I called my girlfriends and we met, guess where we met? We met at an ice cream place. <laughs> <laughs> we all got ice cream and I brought the book and I presented this idea to them and we're like okay let's do it and it was a weight loss this was our goal to lose weight we're like by the fall we're gonna spend six months doing this and we're gonna have lost all this weight as we trained to run a marathon I did not lose a single pound I actually probably put some weight on because you would walk normal amounts during the week but just like training for a marathon you would have a long what would usually be your long run day, you would have a long walk day and we would walk four hours five hours and then we and we would carb load <laughs> You'd carb load for the walk? We were insane. We were being so Shut stupid, Jordan. And then sometimes like afterwards, we'd be so tired. We like we used to, for a while, there were several weeks after our long walks, we would go to a diner and we would get stuffed French toast because we were just so hungry. And I'm like, <laughs> of course I wasn't losing weight. I'm eating French, stuffed French toast. Oh like, my after every God. Walk. So we did, we trained from the spring through the fall. Then we went to Baltimore. 
there were six of us and like, it was a marathon and we walked it. And I, we partway through, we're like, we should just run. So I did, like I ran several miles of this, of this marathon. And uh, it was an insane experience and it didn't end well for me. I ended up, I, I ended up in the back of an ambulance after, cause I was, told, up. I was I dehydrated. Never heard the story. I don't know why I never told you the story. I was dehydrated, which was kind of crazy. I mean, everybody, I guess just starts with a base level of hydration. And my one friend and I, there were six of us, but two of us stayed together the whole time. Every time she drank, I drank, like I drank at all the little stops. So, but we got to the end and I was like, I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel good. It took us seven hours, guys. Like we walked seven hours. So I get there and I'm it's actually a really good pace to be honest with you. Really? Seven hours to walk 26.2 <laughs> miles? We did. We walked fast. And then we ran, like, we ran probably three or four of the miles. And, and you were, like, at near your heaviest? Um, I was not, like, I wasn't obese, but I was, like, yeah, I was not in shape. Like, I was not. I was, I was in, like, the high 160s, 170. Uh, that's a great pace. Like, Really? All right. I, mean, well, I think that's a great pace. That's impressive to me. I was annoyed that, like, because we were super close to, like, having a six on the time. Like, I was like, can we not just be six something that feels so much more respectable than, like, it was, like, <laughs> seven minutes and, like, it's, like, seven hours and, like, ten minutes or two minutes. Or <laughs> and I was annoyed. But, yeah, so we got to the end. I'm like, guys, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And they all wanted to go celebrate. I'm like, I just need to sit. And then, like, somebody came over and got me. They're like, you don't look okay. And so we – and it was actually – they were kind of happy. The ambulance drove us home. <laughs> drove oh, us my home. God. <laughs> So they hooked me up to an IV, got me hydrated, and drove all six of us back to our hotel. Wow. I, have you ever written or spoken about this story before? Just, I have, I think it's on my website, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I have. What, what a great story. I love yeah. that. <laughs> it's, I love that because of how far you've come. Yeah. Right? I mean, you've just come so unbelievably far, and not only for yourself, but helping so many other people. Are there any other crazy things that you did in like your quest for weight loss? Any crazy, crazy diets or crazy workouts? Um, you know, I did the normal crazy stuff. Like I'm going to give up sugar. This was my mom's obsession. I get a lot of my bad habits like that I grow, grew up through the years from my mom. She was always trying to lose weight in some like weird way she found in the back of a woman's magazine. Um, <laughs> and that totally rubbed off on me. And one day she's like, we should stop eating sugar. I have this book. When you were a kid? She said that when you were a kid? I was like, no, I was like 19 or 20. Like, okay, you're young, yeah. Yeah, I was young and I was like, okay, like let's stop eating sugar. We'll try that. I hated every last second of it. Like we, I only did it for, we were going to do it, I think for a month. I did it for a week and I was like, no, not, <laughs> not doing that. So that was one of the ones, you know, I did Nutrisystem, I did Weight Watchers, I did I really was super bummed about Garcinia Cambogia at the time I was on some kind of medicine for my heart because I had high blood pressure and all this stuff. And like my medication was contraindicated for Garcinia Cambogia. And I was just devastated because I was sure that was the answer. And Dr. Oz told me it was, and I was missing out because I wasn't allowed to take it. Dr. Oz, <laughs> he definitely popularized that one. Yeah. Um, do you, did you have a good relationship with your mom? Yeah, my mom and I are really close. She's still really weird about, I don't think she listens to my podcast if she does. <laughs> Hi, mom. I love you. You have a terrible, terrible relationship with food. She, to this day, still talks about weird diet things. Like, and she doesn't believe you when you tell her stuff? Mm -mm. <laughs> she does not believe the, about calories. She does not believe calories are the determining factor in weight loss. To this really? Day. Yeah. To Do this you get day. Any debates with her about it? Do, uh, not debates, but she'll just say little things here. Like she's always, she like last year, she was really into keto. 
Really? Yes. And so she would come to my house, like she would drive to my house. They live in um, Tennessee and they would come to my house and like they would bring all their keto stuff. And like we would, (laughs) we would order pizza like for my kid's birthday and she would scrape the cheese off and just eat the cheese. No way. I'm being dead serious. She would bring special cake to the birthday party because she couldn't eat the cake. Special cakes? Keto cake? Some kind of key, some kind of keto cake. Yeah. No way. I am not, I'm not kidding you. You didn't say anything. You just let her do it. I have to let her do it. I can't. Like, I've tried to say things too much, and it just it creates more friction than it's worth. I really yeah. believe with family and friends, like, you can't, with anybody, you can't force them. No matter how much and I do, I look at her, and I'm like, I seriously know what I'm doing. Like, I do this for a living. Like, yeah. yeah. Maybe you could listen to me, <laughs> but she doesn't. Yeah, she she just, you know, she's into, like, food pairing. You have to have, you know, certain things together, and you can't have certain things together. Um, lots of wild ideas about nutrition. Was she ever, did she ever make comments to you about your weight when you were a kid? No, because I wasn't ever overweight. Remember, like I wasn't overweight. I just, I wanted to look fit and I didn't. I was very normal size. I just wanted to look fit and I didn't. Um, But my sister has always struggled with her. Now my sister has special needs. She has Down syndrome. And so she's always with my mom and my sister really has always struggled with her weight. And because she's in my mom's care, they always do these weird diet things together. So they're always doing some crazy diet together. And so that was, it would just always come up. So weight management has been a topic in my house since I was a kid. And she's always, always talking about weight and how to lose weight and what not to do and carbs. She really fears carbs. How, how did you decide to get in the fitness industry? Um, it really, I just fell into it just because my transformation was so dramatic and so fast. And I was working out at a gym at the time. I wasn't training in my home that enough people watched it in real time that they would come up to me and be like, like, what did you do? And can you help me with this? And so I just kind of started helping people with it and with their lifting and talking about what I did. And after like several months of a lot of people saying like, you should do this for a job. I was like, Hey, you know what? I should do this for a job. Like I didn't have a job. Like I was a stay at home mom and I was so passionate about it. I'm like, I think I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And that was really scary for me. And honestly, Jordan, I would not have done that before I learned how to lift weights. Cause I just didn't have the confidence in myself to, to pursue something like that. This was like my first big, like I can do something. And so I signed up to get certified to be a trainer. And I, then I signed up to learn um, to do precision nutrition. And I, and I don't even know where I got the idea. I don't know where I got the idea, but like I talked to some of my friends. I'm like, does anybody want to like be my guinea pig? And like, as I'm learning stuff, I'll like try it on you. Like that sounds really terrible, but like, I promise I won't hurt you. And so one of them, a couple of people said yes. And one of them stuck with it. And so like, as I was learning, I was just like, I would coach her for free. She would come to my house. I'd give her workouts. I'd talk to her about nutrition and and it was a really good introduction for me to like, here's how to coach somebody because I was doing it in real time. Yep. Um, and then um, once I was certified, I was like, I just put up on my neighborhood Facebook group. I have a gym in my home. And the first day I'm like, we'll see how this goes. And I'm like, I, this was the, another big thing I did. Like I learned how to create a website on my own. I'm like, I can't, I'm terrible at tech. And I made my own website. I'm like, look at that. And so then I, I put the link to it on my neighborhood Facebook group. I'm like, anybody want to train and lose weight? And like six people reached out that week. <laughs> there started my business. <laughs> and they would come to your house and you'd work out there? Yep, they'd come to my house and I'd give them the nutrition plan. I would train them in person. And, you know, most of my clients came from my neighborhood and my church group. And I did that for a good while, just training here in my basement one-on-one. And what did you do before the fitness industry? 
Uh, nothing. I stayed home with my kids. I, when I graduated, so by the time my son was born, I messed around in my twenties a lot. Like I'd go to school and I got an associate's degree in fashion. And then I was served as a missionary. I for didn't me. know that. Yeah. I told you I was, yeah. So I studied fashion. I really thought I wanted to do wedding planning. Like I thought I was going to open a business oh, doing wedding really planning. Good. And then I decided to be a missionary for my church. I moved to Europe. I learned how to speak Czech. I was a missionary in the Czech Republic. I came back and I was like, I really am good at teaching. I should be a teacher. So I went back to school and I was studying to be a teacher, met my husband, moved across the country for him to go to graduate school. And while he was, I was waiting to like get in-state tuition, I worked in an inner city school as an aide in a special needs classroom. I was like, this line of work is not for me. Like they were, it was crazy. Like there was a girl trying to like jump over a three foot, like oh, it, was, it was intensive special needs. It was needs. intense. It was, in, it, yeah. I was in their special needs classroom with really kids who were very needy. And it was crazy. The woman I worked, their law, their law was that me as the aide, I could teach the class for 40 days of the school year. Not really who's going to do that. She used every dang day. She took sick days. She was, a, she was an older woman. And I was like, I would teach this class. They would send me an aide. And I would be the teacher of this special needs, high needs, like intense class yeah. for like five or six days at a time. I was the teacher. Wow. And I was in college to be, I was a student. And I was like, this is not right. Like, I should not be in charge <laughs> of these children. Like, I should not. And by the end of that year, I was burnt out on teaching. And so I ended up um, finishing my degree in psychology and sociology. Um, I created my own degree and studied sociology, psychology. Um, I loved it. And then I was pregnant. I was pregnant. Like, <laughs> so I, at this point, like I'm 29 and I'm pregnant and I finally am getting my degree. And my advisor was like, you are really good at this. You should do research. Like, do you want to stay on and do a master's program, maybe a PhD? And I'm like, I'm having a baby. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not doing that. Um, and then I was a stay-at-home mom. And, and you think you very strongly believe that strength training is what gave you the confidence to then years later start your own business. Oh, absolutely. Like create a website. And even, even though like you're not good with tech, you still made a website. You to put yourself out there publicly on social media. Do, like, do you think strength training made you more confident as a person? Oh, 100% sure. I'm 100% positive of it. Like I felt it happening I felt it happening. Like I would go to the gym and like, I was like, I was having this discovery of like, I am a strong person. And I'd never felt that way before. Like I'd never felt like I could do stuff like that. I was, I guess, I don't know if low self-esteem is the right word. I just kind of felt like I wasn't as good as other people. Like that I was kind of just getting by some people, like somebody was going to like eventually be like, she's kind of a loser. Like I just didn't feel that great about myself. And as I was in the gym and I was like, my gosh, like, I'm really good at this. And like, and there's nothing special about me. Like anybody can do this, but I was watching myself get better at something. And I was like, I am really good. Like I am strong. Like I'm a strong person. And I could, so one of the things that I did, one of the first things I actually did was I, I love singing and not particularly talented at singing, but I had, I hired a voice coach and this is at the same time as I was lifting and she kept trying to get me to sing in public. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And after I was like, really like lifting for a while, I was like, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Wow. So I did it. So I sang an Italian opera at, uh, I, I don't know why I picked that. She was like, that's pretty ambitious. I'm like, that's what I want to do. It was, mostly, <laughs> it was mostly little kids and me. It was, an, it was a recital. Think of like a ballet. It was a recital. And so, they, you know, there was like, I don't know, maybe 40 people in the room. And I got up and I sang my Italian aria. Wow. And it you really was. Italian opera? Yeah. That's extraordinary. 
Yeah. And it wasn't great, but I did it. And I, because I was just, I would see myself doing hard things, like facing hard things in the gym. Like, can I lift this up? And I would do it. And I'd be like, there's stuff I can do that I don't think I can do. Right. And that really builds a sense of confidence. Like yeah, hard stuff can happen and I can be better than the hard stuff. There's something to be said for not believing you can do something, trying anyway mm-hmm. and succeeding with it, or maybe even not succeeding with it and seeing what's the worst that happens. Right. And knowing Absolutely. that trying yields so much more benefit than not at all. That is so true because there would be sometimes like I would pick up a weight and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I wouldn't be able to do it, but it wasn't discouraging because I'd watched how far I'd come. And so I'd be like, I'll get there. And then I would. And so it was really cool to look back and be like, remember, like I couldn't do that. I tried to do that. And push-ups were a great example of this. I kept trying to get good push-ups. And when I, when I eventually did it, I was like, that, that was a hard fought win. And it, it didn't come easy. It didn't come easy. How long did it take you to get good at push-ups? Oh gosh seven months it was it was many months it was many months of consistent training yeah and look I didn't really know what I was doing I was like looking up random stuff online and so I don't know that I had like the most effective training plan but I will tell you my clients today there's a pretty big variety but it does not happen fast it's not like I get a woman who's never been able to do push-ups give her a great training program and I know she can you know she's doing it well she's doing consistently and she can do push-ups three weeks later you know it'll be a couple months and some women who are very hesitant, one of my clients, I friggin' love her. She's amazing. She's lost like a hundred pounds, not just with me. She had started before me. She's in her fifties and she is just so excited to get strong. And it took her from last October until this May to finally do them. And I was telling her in February, I'm like, Joanne, you can send me a video of you doing a pushup. I knew she could do it. Like I was watching, she would send me videos of like her training and like her slow eccentrics. And I'm like, I know you can do at least one. She's like, I really want to do it well when I finally do it. She was really nervous. And so she sent me these, this push-up video in like April or May this is the prettiest push-up I've ever seen. Like it was her first one and it was so picture perfect because she just was so nervous to try. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, so before we get off, I, I have one question I'd like to ask, which is, and it's, it's like a, it's a deeper question, but what is one thing that you are deeply proud of? in your life that truly like you are deeply, deeply proud of in your life? Oh gosh. <sighs> All right. Everybody's going to say their kids. So obviously my kids. So we're going to take that one off the table. Um, okay. <laughs> take that one yeah. off the table. Although I will say part of it is with my kids. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take that off the table, but they're watching too. I'm just really proud of the fact that I can be in public in this very big way right? I'm, I'm out there on the internet. There are thousands of people watching me. There are people reaching out to me and I can be completely and authentically myself and share my story. And other people can believe that they can do stuff because of me. Like women look at me and they message me all the time and they're like, I'm 50 and I just didn't think I could do this. And they're like, and I look at you and I see me. You're not somebody, look, I was never an athlete guys. I was, a, I was, did not, I don't know what to do with a ball. Like I was not an athlete. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not somebody who's always loved fitness. Like, and here I am. And not only did I get it and understand it, but like now I teach other people to do it and they see themselves in me Mm. and they believe they can do it. And that just means so much to me. And I'm super proud of that. And my kids see that in me. You know, my kid, my, my kids believe they can do stuff because they see me doing that. I love that. That's amazing. Well, Kim, thank you for letting me interview you. 
on your podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for agreeing to do it. It was kind of strange. You're always game for stuff. I'm like, he'll say yes. <laughs> of course. No, this has been wonderful. And I got to learn more about you. And I think that you're wonderful as always. And this has been incredible. So thank you. Yeah. By the way, I didn't even introduce you. Most people who follow me, they're going to have heard your name because I talk about you all the time. Because I'm always like, my coach, my coach. Guys, this is my coach. This is Jordan Syatt. <laughs> and if you're not following him, what is wrong with you? Make sure you're following Jordan. Uh, where's the best place for people to follow you these days, Jordan? You want to go to your YouTube, your podcast? Uh, yeah, my own podcast, Jordan Syatt, mini podcast, Instagram. If you Google my name, you'll find a lot. You'll find him everywhere in all the places. All right. This has been great. Thank you so much. Of course. This has been awesome. Thank you, Kim. Bye. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational, all the kinds of ational. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much.